John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Good morning. Happy Easter to you all. This is a good looking crowd this morning. Thank you for choosing to worship victory. I realize that to get to this location, you had to drive by many a good church to get here. So I thank you very much for worshiping with us. And this is something I was talking to my wife about yesterday. And I told her, I said, do you realize that there's not one person that comes to Victory Church that has to come here? Everyone chooses to come here. And I want you to know I realize that, and I appreciate the fact that you have chosen to come and worship with us this morning at Victory. And hope and pray that you just have a blessed day. If you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. This passage of Scripture is the, is the iconic passage dealing with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. But today I just want to dig into a portion of this Scripture. In verses 12 down through verse number 20 of 1 Corinthians. And I want to talk to you on the subject how the resurrection satisfies our deepest longings. And guys, do you realize whether you've acknowledged it or not, every single one of us have been born with these deep longings that are in our heart, in our spirit, and in our soul. And that's because God created us in a way that we would have a relationship with him. And of course, whenever sin entered in the Garden of Eden with Adam and with Eve, then that separated us from God. And I want you to see all of this. Guys, do you realize that the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus wasn't some accidental plan, some knee-jerk reaction that Jesus or God had to say, "Uh uh-oh, what do we do now? They rejected him. Do you realize that the Word of God teaches us that Jesus was crucified and that he rose again, and Jesus even said, I'll go be the lamb that will be slain for the sins of the entire world. All of that was put in place before the foundation of the earth was ever laid. Do you understand that? This is all part of God's redemptive plan for mankind. So if we do not know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, then I promise you within your heart there is a void. There's an emptiness. There's something that that you're longing for. And we look at our culture today. We look at our world today. They're trying to satisfy that longing with numerous things, whether it be alcohol or or drugs or or sexual activity or, or other things out in the world today. They're trying to fill that longing in their heart. Well, I want to show you today in verses 12 through 20 how the resurrection of Jesus Christ plays a key role in unlocking and satisfying those deepest longings that every single one of us have as human beings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12, if you have your Bible, open up to that. If you have your iPhone, take it out. Some do their Bible on their iPhone. Some do it on their iPad. Whatever your means is to get into the Word of God, take it out right now. And let's look at verses 12 through 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? 
But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is without foundation, and so is your faith. Verse 15. In addition, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified about God that he, being God, raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead are not raised. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Therefore, those who have fallen asleep That term, fallen asleep in Scripture, means those who have died. Those who have died or those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. And if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. My prayer today is threefold. And I put it on the screen because I want you to see it. My prayer today for every single one of us is that we would be made aware of these longings that we have in our heart and in our being. Every single one of us have these longings in our life. And I'm going to be unpacking some of those in just a moment. So my my prayer is today that you will be made aware... And that the Holy Spirit would put a finger on some of these issues that may be going on in your heart and in your life today so that you can be made aware of some of these deepest longings. The second part of my prayer is this. That you would see that the risen and living Jesus is the answer to those longings. You see, the, the world is trying to satisfy these longings with many other things other than the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll never be satisfied apart from Him. So my prayer is today that, one, you'll be made aware of these longings. And that, secondly, you'll see that the risen and living Lord, Jesus Christ, is the answer to those longings. And then third part of my prayer is this, that in doing so, that you would be satisfied in Him and He would be glorified in you. Amen? You see, a lot of times in our world today, we think it's all about us. We think it's about me being happy and just me being satisfied. But ultimately, that's not the end. It's, life is really about Him being glorified and Him being glorified through your life. So as you're made aware of these longings... And as you realize that Jesus, the resurrected Lord, the resurrected Jesus, is the answer to every one of those longings, my prayer is then that you'd be satisfied in Him and that He will be glorified in you. Let's pray this morning. Father, Lord, we thank You for this day and this Easter season. Man, there's so many different ways, Lord, that we could go with this Scripture today. There's so many different ways we could go with the theme of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Boy, we could preach for for weeks and months on the subject of the resurrection. And God, you know my heart, how I have searched the scriptures and, and I have sought the direction that we're to go today in this message. And Lord, I've prepared and I believe I've settled right where you want me to settle in these verses of scripture today. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. And Father, I just pray if there's one here that does not know you, Lord, 
as their personal Savior. That today would be the day of salvation for them. That today would be the day when they open the heart of their the door of their heart and they, they ask you to come into their life. And God, I realize we may not understand everything today. But God, help us to understand that you love us. And you proved your love for us by sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And you proved your love for the world when you rose him again victoriously the third day. And only through him can we have a relationship with you. And those aren't my words. Those are your words, Lord. In John 14, 6, you said, Jesus, that I am the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. God, I pray that those that are here today would realize they need to have a relationship with you. I pray that you do a work that only you could do in our midst today. And we'll give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul is saying here, I want you to look in the scripture. It says, if Christ has not been raised. Guys, and then he goes and he starts unpacking for us how our life would be in shambles were it not for the resurrection of of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then in verse number 20, he reverses the whole paragraph and he says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. Real quickly, uh, just by way of introduction, before I get into the meat of this message, I want you to look at these verses, verses 12 down through verse number 20. And he, I, I want to help try to point out all these negatives that Paul said we would have if Christ had not been raised from the dead. In verse number 14, he says, If Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Also in verse number 14, he says that our faith is in vain. In verse number 15, he says, If Christ had not been raised, that we are to be found misrepresenting God, or in other words, false witnesses misrepresenting God if Christ had not been raised. But my friends, just let me put a disclaimer here. He has been raised from the grave. Amen? But these are the negatives that he's saying if Christ had not been raised from the grave. In verse number 17, he said, if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. In verse 18, he says, if Christ had not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep or those who have died, they have perished. And that's it. But then he goes on in verse number 19 and he says, if Christ has not been raised, then we of all men are most pitied. Those are all the negatives. I want to try to reverse this thing. I want to try to look at this scripture and pick out all these negative things that Paul said would happen to our lives if Christ had not been raised. Because in verse number 20, he says that Christ has been risen from the grave. That he is alive. He does live today. Therefore, there are some positives that come into our life as a result of our Lord being risen from the grave. I want to try to share with you four, five, six different things here about the deepest longings that we have and how all of these are satisfied or fulfilled in the risen Christ. Now, I'm going to reverse the order a little bit than what the Apostle Paul did in verses 12 through 20. Because I want to try to get these as a believer coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, as a, as a person that's in their sins today, and they accept Christ as their Savior, and they come to Christ, and the first thing that's going to be is forgiveness of sins, and then build on that and see what we have and how these deep longings that we have in our heart are satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ once He has been risen 
from the grave. Okay? So write these down on the back of your worship folder this morning, your bulletin. There's a place for you to take some notes. I want you to jot down these bullet points. There's, there's going to be about five of them that I'm going to share with you. And I want you to write these down. Okay? These are some of the deepest longings that are met by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And number one is this. We are forgiven of our sins. Because of the resurrection, the death the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that alone, the Bible says that we now are forgiven of our sins. Look in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Now that's the negative. But we know that Christ has been raised from the grave. So therefore we're going to flip it around and we're going to say because he has been raised from the grave, we, my friends, are forgiven of our sins. Guys, do you realize that is the most fundamental basic need of all humanity? There's something they're searching for, and until they have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll never find it. They'll never fill the void in their life. The greatest need that we have as, a, as humanity is that we need a Savior. We need someone who can pay the price for our sins. And that Savior is Jesus. And he died on the cross. Matter of fact, I don't have time to preach it. But you go back at the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look, it says in verse number 3. For I pass on to you as most important what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Guys, that's the gospel In a nutshell, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're going to get that deepest need met in our life, if we're going to get our sins forgiven, then we must enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I thought it was his death that redeemed us of our sins. Well, I want you to notice in, in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15 that I just read to you, that's only part of it. There's more to it. Yes, he did die on the cross, but there's also a connection with the resurrection. The connection with the resurrection, as Paul said in Romans 4.25, says this, He was delivered up, that's death, for our tres- trespasses, and he was raised for our justification. You see, there's power in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that he was raised is where our justification comes to play. You see, what this means is that by his death, he paid the penalty for our sins. He purchased our acquittal, our justification, our forgiveness. And guys, every single person in this room, including myself, needs forgiven. The Bible says that every single person in this room, including myself, and every single person in the world that has ever been born, the Bible says we have all sinned. Amen? Every single one of us have missed the mark. Every single one of us have sinned. And the deepest need that every single one of us have is that our sins can be forgiven. Guys, do you realize There are people running around today everywhere just trying to feel accepted. 
I mean, they're really struggling with life because they just don't feel accepted. You know where your acceptance comes from? You know where your self-esteem comes from? You know where your confidence comes from? It comes when you are made aware of who you are in the person of Jesus Christ, that God loves you, that He died for you, that He paid the price for you, that He was buried for you, that He rose again victoriously for you. And whenever you ask Him into your heart and repent of your sins and engage in a relationship with Him, it's then that you now become... you realize, hey, I am of value. I have self-worth. My self-esteem now is, right, is being raised up. My confidence level is being raised up. Why? Because the most basic need in everybody's life is to be accepted by God. And the only way, friends, you can be accepted by God is when you believe that, that Jesus is God's Son. That he came and he died on the cross. And God the Father, as it says in Isaiah 53, laid on him the sins of us all. And he died and he was buried and he rose again victoriously. And you repent of your sins and you ask him into your heart. And you become a born again believer in Christ. Then that deepest need is met. And then we are forgiven of our sins. There's another need here. And we're talking about these human longings that are met in the resurrection of Christ. First of all, we are forgiven of our sins. But secondly, I want you to see this in verse 14. Our faith is well-founded. Now look what the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 14. It says, If Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is without foundation, and so is your faith. So instead of saying negatively that, that our faith is in vain, we can flip it around on the positive side and we can say that because of the resurrection, our faith is well-founded. Amen? I mean, our faith is well-founded. I mean, we're grounded. We're, we're, on, we're on a good foundation. Amen? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, to put it more personally, maybe you could say it like this. Because of the resurrection, there's someone you can trust. And that someone you can trust is Jesus. You see, everybody's looking for someone they can trust, right? Everybody's looking for someone they can trust that will be with them through the thick and through the thin. I don't know about you. I live 635 miles, I believe it is, from driveway to driveway from my family. From the closest relative that I have is 635 miles away. And there are often times that I've lived here in this state of Illinois since 1999, moving here to start this church, that I've often felt alone. That I've often felt, is there anybody really that cares for me? Is there anybody really that I can trust? Do I really have a friend? And I'm sure you've thought the same thing. Hello? Right? I know especially military members that move around and you move into an area and you don't know anyone and, and you're just getting acclimated to an area and you move miles away from family. You see, here's what I know about me. I know my mama loves me regardless of what I do. Amen. Amen? And you probably know the same thing about your mother, right? I mean, she may be disappointed, but I know it, she loves me, Right? Regardless what I do, I know if I pick up the phone, I said, Mom, I need you, I know she'd be there. I know the same thing for my dad. If I picked up the phone and said, Dad, I need you, I know they'd be there. But you know what? They're 635 miles away. I can't pick up the phone every little time I'm feeling lonely. Right? But you know what I can do? I can trust in my risen Lord. 
I can trust in him that he's going to be with me all the way to the end. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Friends, the resurrected Lord is one that has promised you that he would never leave you, that he would never forsake you. Listen, I can trust in him and I've put my trust in him. And friends, you can trust in him as well. I thank God for that. That is a longing. That is a need that all human beings have. They're longing for someone that they can trust, for someone that they can rely upon, for someone that would be there for them. And the resurrected Lord, because he came out of the grave victorious, my faith is well-founded. And you can also put well-grounded. Amen? Every promise, the Bible says, is yea in Christ Jesus. Every single one of them. And by the way, it's in the resurrected Christ Jesus. I mean, I go and I look at all the promises in the Word of God and I just live there. You say, well, how do you believe that? I believe that because the tomb is empty. That validates everything. You say, well, how do you know God's going to meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory? Number one, He said He would. And He said He would rise from the grave. If He can bring Himself back from the dead, I believe He can meet my needs, whatever they may be. Amen? And he can meet yours. My faith is well-founded. My faith is well-grounded. I can trust in the Lord. I can count on him. I don't care what your situation is, friends. Because the tomb is empty, because Jesus is the resurrected Lord, you can trust him in the area of your finances. Some may be having financial problems with the economy, having the downturn that it's having today. But I'm here to tell you, you can trust God with your finances because the tomb is empty. Some of you may be having relationship problems with husband and wife or mom and dad or son or daughter. There may be whatever the dynamics are. But I'm here to tell you today, you can trust God to handle the relationship problems in your life. Some of you may be having mental or physical problems and you may have gone to the doctor and heard that you have cancer. As my wife did many years ago, you know what we did? We just trusted in him. Amen? Everybody's looking for somebody they can trust in. Everybody's looking for someone that they can just say, man, I am rock solid in this area. And my friends, because the tomb is empty, because the grave is empty, because Jesus came back victoriously that third day, all of the promises in the word of God are yes in Christ Jesus. I can rest there. I can live there. Amen. And you can also thank God for that. I like what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. He said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live, get this, by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's someone you can trust in. Our faith is well founded because of the resurrection. Thirdly, jot this one down. Not only are our sins forgiven, not only is our faith well founded, but thirdly, what the apostles preached... And what we preach is true. Look, if you will, at verse number 15. In addition, we are found to be false witnesses about God. Because if we have testified about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead were not raised. In other words, he's saying, listen, we're false witnesses. If Jesus did not really come out of the tomb victoriously, everything we're saying is a lie. But he's saying the tomb is empty. The resurrected Lord is alive. Therefore, we are not false witnesses. We are proclaiming the word of God. What the apostle preached, that was absolute truth. What we preach today from the word of God is absolute truth. 
Now, I realize we live in the postmodern era. I realize that many of our young people go off to colleges. Even in high school, they're being taught this, that there is no absolute truth. What's true for you may not necessarily be true for someone else. So don't push your views or your truth on someone else. There is no absolute truth today. Well, I'm here to tell you today there is some absolute truth. And one of the absolute truths is that the tomb, the grave, is empty. Go look at it. He's not there. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 15 gives you all these physical eyewitnesses of Jesus once he came back from the grave. Hundreds of them. Eyewitnesses. Listen, we put people away for life if there's just one eyewitness. But here we have hundreds of eyewitnesses that Jesus came back from the grave just as he said. You know what that's called? That's called truth. Hello? I'm here today to tell you there is absolute truth. There are rights. There are wrongs. And by the way, I didn't say that either. That's what Jesus said once again, John 14, 6. You remember what he said? I am the way, what? The truth. He said, I am the truth. Friends, there is truth. And truth can be found. I realize today that it's rare. I mean, I remember going through Bible college and they say if you didn't meddle a little bit, you really didn't preach. So let me meddle a little bit. I realize that it's rare for a teenager to go to high school today and sit in a health class where they're passing out condoms and that teenager rise up and say, well, I don't need those because the Bible says that premarital sex is a sin and I will not be engaged in sexual activity until I am married. It's rare you're going to find a young person say that. Why? Because that's truth. Why is that truth? It's what the Bible said. Hello? Here's what I believe. I believe let God's word be true and every man a liar. That's what scripture teaches. Hello? Where's the absolute truth today? It's founded and we, and we drive our stake in the ground because the tomb is empty. Guys, I don't know if you've sat down and really thought out the whole process of this whole thing. If Jesus did not come out of the grave victoriously, then we... Paul says, of all people are most miserable. Right? I mean, we have no hope. We have no foundation. We have nothing. But I want you to know, there is truth. And here's something I believe about truth. Without the conviction, get this, let this sink in. Without the conviction that there are absolutes that can be shared... And made the basis for society, get this, the only end thereof is anarchy. Where everyone does what is right in the sight of their own eyes. There's total chaos. Hello? But guys, I want you to know, there is truth. And the human soul longs for truth. And the fact that he rose from the grave victoriously, I believe, validates that truth. Let me give you a fourth one. Another deep human longing that's met by the resurrection is that we are to be envied. Look in verse 19. If we have put our hope in Christ for in this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Now, that's the negative way. That's what Scripture teaches, and it's it's kind of the negative side. The positive side, because we're not to be pitied, therefore, we're, we're to be envied. Hello? 
Listen, do you realize that Christianity is the only faith in the world today that can stand up on Easter Sunday and say, Our God reigns? Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he was buried, as Tyler was saying. But he came back victoriously the third day. Our God reigns. Hello? Can I go further with that? Our God takes care of us. I don't have to take care of my God. He takes care of me. I don't have to pick my God up off the floor if I drop it and he falls into a thousand pieces. He picks me up off the floor when I fall and puts me together once I'm broken into a thousand pieces. Hello? That's our God. He's alive. And he's well. And he reigns. Man, I like that. Therefore, we're to be envied. Right? Uh, You gave me a huge question mark. We're not to be pitied. Paul said we are to be pitied if he did not raise from the grave. But he did come out of the tomb victoriously. So what's the opposite of being pitied? To be envied. I don't walk around needing anybody's pity. We're to be envied. I have a God who cares about me. I have a God, a God who loves me. I have a God who redeemed me. I have a God who's good to me. And I shared with you a while back on the temptation sermon on why, why I'm not going to indulge in temptation because the goodness of God all around me, He is so good to me. I mean, He gives me things I don't deserve. He blesses me in ways that are far beyond my expectation. He is a good, he is a good God. Can I get a witness, church? And I believe we as believers in Christ are to be envied of all the world today. Why? Because our God's alive. Because He's on the throne. He's there making intercession. He's involved in your life. You may say, nobody cares. That's a lie from the devil. Jesus cares about you. You may say, nobody cares about me. God cares about you. You may say, no one is even concerned. That's a lie. God is concerned about you. You may say, I'm alone. Nobody is with me. That's a lie. Jesus said, I'll go with you. Everywhere you go, I will be with you. I will not forsake you. Man. In all of religion... I believe that is to be envied. Hello? (laughs) He says in verse 19 that if we put our hope in Christ in this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. You see, if Christ did not come out of the tomb victoriously, our preaching is in vain, our faith is in vain. But I'm here to tell you that my life and my preaching and my relationship with Christ, it's not in vain. Matter of fact, it is full It is meaningful. It is valid. It is valuable. It is significant. People today are are longing through life. One of the deepest longings in the human heart is significance and purpose and meaning and value. You know where all of that is found? It's found in the person of Christ. I mean, I'm like anybody else. I want my life to be useful. I don't want to get to the end of the day and it wasted my entire life. I want it to be useful. Guys, do you realize that it's useful in the person of Jesus Christ? There's value there. Because of the resurrection, there's value that's there. Hmm. Every one of us have a longing that our lives would be well spent. Every one of us have a longing that our lives would count for something. Every one of us have a longing that will have significance and usefulness. And I believe we find all of that in the person of Christ because of the resurrection. The very last verse... Of 1 Corinthians 15 is verse 58. I want you to look at it. I don't have it on the screen for you, but look at it in your Bible. Verse 58. 
And Paul knows this. And that's why he ends the whole chapter of, on the resurrection with verse 58. And he says, therefore, be stead, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. <laughs> hey, I find satisfaction in Jesus, in serving him and living for him. Living out his purpose in, in my life every single day. I find excitement there. I find satisfaction there. I find contentment there. I find meaning there. I find purpose there. I find value there. And people are searching for those things because they're trying to find all those things in someone or something other than the person of Jesus Christ. And I promise you, church, you're going to come up empty every single time if you try to find those things in someone other than Christ. Amen? Other than the resurrected Christ. Let me give you the last one. I'll stop. Here's one more. And I like this one. We're talking about some of those longings that are met by the resurrection of Christ. And number five, jot this one down. Those who have fallen asleep are alive. And that term fallen asleep I've already shared with you in the Bible just simply means those who have died. Those who are dead, they're now alive. You see, one of the longings of the heart is what happens. There's got to be more than life than the 70 years or 80 years or however long it may be that we live on this life. And, and we think, what's next? What's next? And there's all types of philosophies and all types of religions that have been built around the what's next question. But you know what's next for the believer? Eternal life. A resurrected, eternal life. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He's the first one that came back victoriously. So now all of, everyone that has died in Christ Jesus is alive in Christ Jesus. There's a whole series of messages I preach between death and resurrection. And it's two or three sermons, and sometimes I use those when I go off and preach at other churches and revival meetings and things of that nature because it gets you thinking about death and what happens after death and what happens once the last heartbeat happens and the breath goes out of you. Oh, it, it's then it really gets exciting. A lot of people think, man, it's over. No, 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 that's just the beginning. Hello? You see, when this old body dies and they lay it in the grave... This old body is going to go back to the dust of the ground from whence it came. Your body's no different than mine. That's where it's going. Work on it all you want to. Dress it up all you want to. Spray it up all you want to. Make it smell good, look good, whatever. It's going to go back to dirt. That's the, at the end of the day, that's where it's going. But that soul. You remember when God created Adam and Eve and the Bible says that when he created Adam, he breathed into the nostrils of man and Adam and man became what? A living soul. You know what that means? That means his soul is going to live for eternity, forever. Guys, you know what happens the minute that a believer dies physically in this world? The body, we're going to take to the funeral home. We're going to let them prepare it. We'll have some type of a service. We'll put it in the ground. We'll get a tombstone. We'll visit it on special occasions. But that spirit that was in that body has immediately gone to be with the Lord. Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
And that is all because of the resurrection. So here's what I want you to know. If you have a loved one, if you have a loved one that had accepted Christ as their personal Savior and they've died, yes, I think it's honorable to go to the cemeteries and make a visit and pay some homage there. I think that's a very honorable thing to do. But I want you to know, grandma, mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whoever that is, son, daughter, they're really not there. They're with the Lord. Amen? You know what they're waiting on? They're with the Lord. And they're waiting on the resurrection day. When the Lord comes back and He calls His saints home and those bodies are reunited with the Lord Jesus Christ and they're brought back. And some people say, what about cremation? Or what about the ashes being spread over the sea? Who knows where they are? I've told you before. I'll tell you again. My God... He's omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He knows where every dust particle is. I believe at that moment he's going to call ashes, he's going to call bones, he's going to call dust, whatever it is, and they're all going to assemble back together, and they're going to be reunited with that soul in the Spirit, and forever we're going to be with the Lord. Now, that's what Scripture teaches. Amen? I don't have time to unpack all of that. But what I want you to know is, listen, for those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, they are alive, all because of the resurrection will live forever in joy, will not come to an empty end, will not come to an end where we're put in a grave and that's it. Have you ever seen stories where they exhume a body out of the grave? Especially years ago, maybe more so than now, before all the embalming process took place and, and the decay and, and everything in the body. Guys, do you realize, for some people that do not trust Christ, don't believe in him, they think that's it. No, 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 that's not it. Remember back I told you a while ago when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam that man became a living soul? Listen, your soul, everybody's soul, every person that's ever been born, your soul will live forever. The question is, will you be with the Lord or will you miss heaven altogether and God altogether or will you be in hell? That's the question. You say, well, I just don't believe a loving God would send someone to hell. I don't believe it would either. And he doesn't. You say, God doesn't? No, he doesn't. You see, you make that decision. You make that choice. He's done everything he can to make a way for you to come to heaven. And if someone rejects Christ, then he doesn't send them there. They chose to go there themselves. And that's all he can do with them. Because he cannot allow sin into heaven. It's a beautiful place. It's a prepared place for prepared people. And I wonder this morning, on this Easter Sunday morning, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, what have you done with the resurrected Lord? What have you done with him? Ah, there's some great news. The great news in all the world is this. That God and His Son is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in them. He made a way for you. And that way is called the cross, the grave, the empty tomb, the resurrection, the death, burial, and the resurrection. Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He paid your debt. He paid my debt. paid the debt of the whole world. And He died there. 
He suffered our hell and our shame on the cross. And he was buried. But he came out victoriously as conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. Came out in victory over sin. He's done the hard part. All we've got to do is say, God, I realize I've sinned. I look at my own heart and I look at my own life and, and I see that I've sinned. And I pray right now that you'd forgive me of my sins. You'd come into my heart and my life and be my Savior. Maybe there's someone here today that as you look around in your own heart and your own life, you think, boy, I'm just not there. I haven't done that. Don't leave here today without having a relationship with Him. And I want to lead you to do that right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to come forward to pray or anything. I want you to do business with God right where you are, right there in your seat. Will you pray a prayer, something like this? Say, Dear God, I look at my own life and I see so many failures and disappointments. I see sin there. The deepest need I have is to be forgiven of my sins, to be in a right relationship with a holy God. I believe that you gave your son Jesus to die for the sins of the world. I believe that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. And right now, though I may not understand everything, right now by faith, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart, into my life. I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to start a path where I can understand more of these things. But right now, by faith, I ask you to come into my heart and into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. That's victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.